My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Well, good morning, everybody. Now, for those of you that are here regularly, you know that we have been starting off with a very consistent question uh, each week. And we are still going to do this question, but I've got two things that I want to do before we get to this question. One is uh, I gave a lot of homework two weeks ago. And there was somebody that came back to class last week that was just nailing it with homework. I mean, knocking it out of the park, fantastic, the whole nine yards. So I got something for her this morning. So, Miss Darla, I know how you like to be. Uh, recognized. Recognized. Yes. I got you a calendar. And not just any calendar, but a chicken calendar. With stickers. Yeah, so that was the look right there. You she's done ooh three times already. This is this is a win. Alright. Oh, that's a win. Um, so thank you for being a role model. She, I'm never going to get her back now. It's just chickens the rest of the class, right? <clears throat> so, I'm, I'm thrilled that you can, right? <laughs> Nowhere else to go with that, but I am thrilled that you can. So, uh, so, so there is uh, that component. So thank you for being an example of uh, faithfulness in this. Uh, and on a similar note, uh, one of the things that we commit to do in this class uh, is pray for each other. And right now, we have several uh, prayer requests, and a couple of them are a bit urgent. So I'm going to start with the, I, I don't know if they're in any particular order, but uh, earlier this week, uh, Josiah Erickson uh, broke his leg, uh, and he is home now and doing well. Uh, but there are additional steps that are going to be taken over the next weeks and months to uh, repair and, and help him. Uh, Bree uh, and Grant had a baby this week, which is fantastic. We are super thrilled about that and got to go home yesterday. So this is really, really good. Uh, and they need some help. So we have set up a meal train and it needs to be populated. So I will leave that there. Uh, you can find that on our uh, Sunday School class Facebook page. You can also, if you're Facebook friends with me or Julie, uh, you can, uh, odds are you're probably friends with me, not Julie, because she won't accept anybody's friend request. Um, <laughs> but uh, she won't. She, 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 she's like, I've got nine people. Yay. Um, sorry. Oh, in See, this is what happens when fight night runs really, really long, then like the, the filter goes down. Uh, so please be praying for them, uh, the friars. Uh, Ms. Kay Goble has surgery tomorrow morning, I believe. Is this correct? Yes. Uh, what's that? If she doesn't get bumped again, yes. So uh, we're looking forward to this being the, the last box on the surgery uh, checklist and being finished with that. Uh, and then likely what I would consider the most urgent, uh, we just got a couple, some of us just got text messages from Amy Velosin a few minutes ago, uh, and Matt is taking her to the ER. She's having some uh, some, some pain and associated issues. So uh, we're just going to take a minute in Sunday school this morning and pray for them now. Um, so Zeke, if you could uh, pray for Josiah. Um, Tim Archer, if you could pray for uh, Grant and Bree. 
and uh, the little baby Oakley, right? Like the glasses, I believe, right? Not spelled the same, but like that's the phonetically. There you go. You're good. Um, uh, Chris, if you could pray for Miss Kay Goble, it'd be great in her surgery tomorrow morning. Uh, and then I'll close with uh, praying for Amy Velosa, and then we'll get started with Mark. So. Father God, thank you so much for the lesson that you gave us today. Thank you so much for this group of people that is that we can come together to learn about you, that we can come together to pray, search for your guidance and your will, and for what this group means to me and my family. Father, lift up Josiah Erickson to you right now. We pray, God, that it's Continue to be with them as you have been with them the whole life. Father, I thank you for the amount of care that has gone to treat him, uh, even though his leg is broken and there are some things that still need to be addressed. Father, we know and trust that you are with them and in his family. Please give them peace. Please uh, remove pain from Josiah's uh, leg and his body. Give them direction and guidance over doctors so that they can fix what is broken. Over all of everything that is involved in uh, this whole situation, Father, we know that you are with us. We love you and thank you for uh, being with us in this time. Father, thank you, Lord, that we can come before you. Lord, this morning, just praising you for your goodness to us. Lord, it has nothing to do with us, but all about you. And uh, I just thank you so much we can celebrate with Grant and Bree, Lord, and uh, little Oakley, uh, Lord, coming to be part of that family and, Lord, part of our family. And, uh, Lord, I pray that we'd love on them, love on him. And, uh, Lord, that it would just be a uh, just a precious time, Lord, I just lift that, their family up to you. Lord, that you would just encourage them. There are so many things going on right now. And, the dynamics of the family changing. Lord, I just know that you've gone before them already. And Lord, you know the paths that are laid before this little one. Lord, I pray, Lord, for Lord his growth physically, but Lord, more importantly, his growth spiritually, Lord, that uh, you do mighty works through this little one. And I just pray uh, in your son's name. Father, it is a wonderful thing when we can gather together and share our words with open arms and know that you are faithful to address our needs and help you, Lord, with everything that, that goes through every day. We take our own blessings for granted so many times and for, for those who've been dealing
Father, we thank you for the opportunity to pray. We thank you that you are a God that desires to hear us. We thank you are, that you are a God that loves us. And uh, we thank you for your promise that you will never leave or forsake us. That once we are your children, we are your children forever. And we know that Amy and Matt uh, know this, but we ask that you would remind them of this at this time. That you would make yourself known in a very real way that provides peace and comfort in the middle of the storm. Father, we pray for those uh, medical staff that are going to receive Amy, that they would be clear-minded, that they would have their hope in you and not in their own skills, that there would be no pride, but that there would be total dependence upon you for their strength. Father, we pray for healing for Miss Amy. We've been doing this for years and years and years, and you have given us the good gift of her for years and years and years, and we thank you for this. You are good and right and holy in all that you do. And we will praise your name regardless of the outcome. But our hearts are bent towards healing and we desire to see her live a long and healthy life uh, praising you and training the little ones to know you better and to know you rightly from a very, very young age. We thank you for her testimony we thank you for the countless times that she has stood before us and shared what you have shared with her. And we ask for healing. And we ask for comfort. And we know that you, again, are good and right and holy in all that you do. And we trust you. And as it was written in the Old Testament, we don't know what to do right now, but our eyes are wholly fixed on you and focused on you and your plan. Help us to be obedient, help us to love, help us to engage, help us to assist uh, in any way that we can. Help our eyes to be open to the needs all around us so that we can be your hands and your feet. And we thank you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Jim, could I correct one thing in my prayer? Yes. Where you are a boy, Oakley, I was, I was going to hit that at some point. I didn't know when, but I was going to give it a minute. It's I mean, it's not Mary or Kim. It's Mary. Okay. Boy, girl. I don't know. And again, this is, and you just said it kind of in jest, but like the Lord does know. Yes. Right? I mean, and there is so much comfort in knowing that like, it's, it's actually really hard to screw up prayer when you're just we need help here. Yeah. Like, just help us. Sure. And the Holy Spirit comes along and, and helps with, with the things that we mess up. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So I told you we were going to do two things, then we we're going to come back to this question. We're coming back to this question. So you had literally had like eight minutes to think about it now. So there you go. So what is God doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far. Those were either 
pressures and influences are going to be so that we can be prepared for them. Because I think if you're, if you're not prepared, you're more easily um, tempted to succumb to doing the wrong thing. Right. And, and in several cases, that's exactly what happened. Yep. I mean, you know, whether it was with um, the beheading John the Baptist, right. Yeah. There'll be a few opportunities to yeah. see people not do really wise things at all. And we also, if, I was just thinking while you're talking, you could read through Mark and just look at and document how Jesus responded to crowds and pressures and demands. And that would be a case study in how to respond to people coming at you, right? Crisis management almost, right? I mean, you can get your crisis management degree by watching Jesus in the New Testament. I bet you didn't think you'd hear that sentence this morning. Right? <laughs> All right, anybody else? Uh, what is God doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far? Yes, Jay? Yeah, I, as I look at that and I try to apply it, I thought, well, God is a source of guidance and rules. We're living for us, and they're going to accomplish what God said and how they accomplish regardless yes. of what man has turned them into. And so we need to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let him guide our decisions and not Amen. When does the Holy Spirit first uh, interact in Christ's life in Mark? What chapter? Yeah, like one, right? So we, even in his, so here's what I'm going to do every time that you guys say, this is what the Lord is teaching me. I'm going to show you, this is how Jesus did that, right? He is the example of these things. Yes. Like we have a flawless example. All right, so I'm going to read uh, Mark chapter 2, uh, and then we'll uh, take a look. Now, you'll notice on your handout, uh, the kind of the top third of page 67 there, the, the highlighted verses. Uh, when we read through this text today, verses 23 through 28, there will be references to things and you may go, what is that? All right. Those verses are the what is that lookup answer. So we're going we're gonna to explore some of this as we go through. So Mark chapter 2. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. He went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him. And he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. 
And as he reclined at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. And people came and said to him, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it, the new from the old, and a worse tear is made. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is destroyed, and so are the skins. But new wine is for fresh wineskins. One Sabbath he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was need and was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Biathar the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him, and said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. All right, so did you pick up on anything in verses 23 through 28 that we haven't seen yet? I literally have them printed on the handout, but are there topics that we haven't seen yet? So we've seen the Sabbath once, but we really didn't dig too much into it. So then what else? There's a new character that's introduced. Open book, 23 through 28. What's the new name? David, yes. David is referenced. David's going to come up again in Mark. Any other new names? Yeah, the one that's hard to pronounce, right? Abiathar? Yeah. Uh, feel free to pronounce it lots of different ways. Uh, there are, the, the funny thing is, you know, we all carry around the scripture in our pocket now in these electronic Bibles and uh, several of the translations have uh, audible versions is where you just click play and it'll, it'll play it for you. It's fantastic, right? And uh, if you play this verse in two or three different translations, you'll get two or three different pronunciations. We don't know, right? It's the A guy, right? All right, and he had an important job. And then there's this phrase, the bread of the presence. And if you have a, an ESV, there's something really weird looking about that phrase. What's weird looking about the phrase? Yeah, the presence is capitalized. You're like, whoa. All right. Why isn't bread capitalized? Why is just presence capitalized? This seems odd. Good. It should. These are little like, hints that something is going on. Uh, now, I, I think several of you grew up in church. I grew up in church. Uh, and I grew up in a church where when... Um, when the margin, and some of you have Bibles that the margin has like a verse reference to somewhere else. When the margin had a verse reference, we almost always went and looked those up. But my pastor, we would also look up another five or ten verses on a particular text, and I would always wonder, like, how did he know to go there? Because, like, that's a big book, <laughs> and there's a lot of parts. And, and what I found out later is that sometimes 
he just knew the scripture so well and it was easy. And every once in a while, he would use other resources. So the resources that this is coming from today, and this is a really, really old resource. This is a, the treasury of scripture knowledge. Uh, if you're familiar with this one, that's great. If you're not, uh, what I literally want to do today, and this is pretty unusual for me because I think it's a bit distracting as you listen, but I'm going to pass this around and I want you to see how this tool actually works. So we're going to start here and just, and it doesn't have page numbers. So if you lose the page number, good luck finding Mark chapter two again, right? So the treasury of scripture knowledge is not a commentary. It's just a Bible reference tool. So when you get to verse uh, 23 of uh, Mark chapter two, it'll list a half a dozen or a dozen, or sometimes for some verses, a couple hundred Bible references elsewhere in scripture that you might want to be familiar with to help put this one in context. And you're like, well, that, that sounds like it might take longer to read the Bible. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, it does. This is comparing scripture with scripture, line upon line, precept upon precept. This is the idea of the answer is back in the book, not the answer is, you know, well, so-and-so's commentary says this verse means, well, that's, I really don't care, right? Stop it. What we want to know is what the Bible, how the Bible frames and positions different things. So I want to kind of, before we get into the text, and we, what we'll probably end up doing is looking at the actual verses, 23 through 28, uh, possibly next week. We may get to it today. But we're just going to start with the first highlighted verse up there at the top, Exodus 25, 1. 25, 10, 25, 23, 31, 30, and we're just going to go uh, straight through. So if you got uh, an entire Bible uh, or one on your phone, Exodus 25. Exodus chapter 25. Now this is not... We're not doing these verses chronologically because I am uh, pedagogically trying to set something up. Um, I, I want to start with a very specific concept and then later on the additional concepts. This is why we're kind of going scattered a bit through the Old Testament. So Exodus 25, uh, some of you may have a Bible that has a header for chapter 25. It'll say something about taking up a collection for the building of a sanctuary. And that's basically what's going on. So the Lord says to Moses, speak to the people of Israel that they take from me a contribution. So we're, we're gathering resources for something that's going to be done. And we've got to build some stuff. Because we're, we're going to build a location for the sacrificial system to occur, which is the foundation and the foreshadowing of a lot of other things in the New Testament. So you get to verse 10. Uh, does anybody know what's in the inside the... The Old Testament uh, worship space. There was some stuff in there. Yeah, inside the fort. So that there was, in verse 10, there's a what? The Ark of the Covenant. Yes, thank you, Indiana Jones. That's right. This is probably the most popular, but most well-known piece. Uh, uh, yes, that, absolutely right. So verse 10, there's a, make an ark of acacia wood. Uh, if you flip down to verse uh, 23, you shall make a table of acacia wood. So there was a table. Um, there's verse 31, you shall make a lampstand of pure gold. Uh, and then back up to verse 30, what do you put on the table? You shall put the what on the table? Bread. The bread of the presence. You're like, oh, so this is an Old Testament reference. Yes, it is. All right, good. So, we gotta, so, so we're talking about something inside a holy place. 
All right, so let's look at uh, Leviticus 24, verses 5 through 9. Leviticus 24. And again, we're uh, skipping a rock over some of this. This is what I get when I use a physical Bible, is I have to actually say the books of the Bible in order to find them. Because for me, if I'm looking up a piece of Scripture, it's BibleGateway.com, I'm typing the text in, bam, done. It's just super, super fast. Um, the downside of that is I forget where the books of the Bible are. So this is your Sunday school teacher telling you that it did, in fact, take me that long to find Leviticus chapter 24. All right. So uh, verses 5 through 9, uh, this is bread for the tabernacle. So does it sound like this might be connected to the bread of the presence that we just talked about? Yes, because it is. So here you go. Here's your recipe in the Old Testament. You shall take fine flour and bake 12 loaves from it. Two-tenths of an ephah shall be in each loaf. And you shall set them in two piles, six in a pile, on the table of pure gold before the Lord. And you shall put pure frankincense on each pile, that it may go with the bread as a memorial portion, as food, as a food offering to the Lord. Every, every what day? Sabbath. Every Sabbath day. I want you to notice how specific and appropriate Jesus is with his examples for explaining what he is actually doing. Every Sabbath day... Who? Now, who's Aaron? He's the priest. Was he anything else? Moses' brother. Right. He's kind of a big character in the Old Testament. And every Sabbath day, Aaron shall arrange it before who? Now, most of us are familiar with Psalm 23. He shall, what? You know where I'm going? Prepare a table in the presence of mine enemies. But before God does that, somebody prepared a table for the Lord. Like, think about this. So, so what of your silverware are you using? What of your uh, china are you using? Are, what table are you going to... You're going to just pop up a TV tray and throw out some plastic silverware and, yep, we're good. This is why when we looked in... Exodus 25, this table was made of pure gold, and the instruments were pure gold. This, was, this is a holiness, this is a set-apartness that is distinct and different from everything else. So, uh, he shall arrange it before the Lord regularly. It is from the people of Israel as a covenant forever, and it shall be for who? Aaron and his sons. Now, so who, who are Aaron and his sons? Aaron and his sons are the priests. Right, great. For they shall... It's open book. They shall what? Eat it. Whoa, I thought we prepared it for the Lord. It does depend on what day it is. But is God going to physically consume this bread? No. And if you read through the sacrificial system in the Old Testament, they are not about wastefulness. Right? This is about there are burnt offerings that are consumed as evidence to the Lord, as offerings to the Lord. But a great number of the sacrifices that came were for the priests to actually eat, right? Because the priests, remember, they didn't have land. They required, they relied on everybody else bringing sacrifices to the tabernacle or the temple, and that's how they were fed. So the priests, this is where they got their bread. It should be for Aaron and his sons. They shall eat it in a holy place, since it is for him a most holy portion out of the Lord's food offerings, a perpetual due. 
All right, so that's a little bit about the bread of the presence. Yes, ma'am. There's like four questions going up at once. All right. Yes. It certainly can't. So did you see how it was prepared? You take fine flour and pure frankincense and yeah. I'm, yep. Yes. Um, that's not the entire focus of this, but yes, that is a consistent thought uh, in the Old Testament. So I will say yes, that is a fantastic rabbit trail off of this one. It is true. Does that work? All right. Jay? Oh, there you go. Come on now. Does that make sense? So you, yeah. Right. If if you're the one that brought the flower, if you're the one that brought the frankincense, if you're the and just see it cast aside and used inappropriately, right? Maybe to buy a multi-million dollar jet to fly around the world in. I don't know. <clears throat> Call a spade a spade, because he ain't a believer, I'll tell you that. So, All right, sorry. I'm going to get way sideways if I chase too much. <laughs> Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. Does anybody know what happens in Exodus chapter 20? It's like it's a really big story, yeah. If you ask most pagans something about the Bible, if you made a top ten list, Right? This might make that. <laughs> Are you at Exodus chapter 20 yet? I wasn't sure if you got the joke yet because it's really it was really awful. So, all right. So what happens in Exodus chapter 20? We get the 10 commandments, right? And uh, does anybody know what uh, verse 8 is? Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shall you labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no, uh, you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is with you within the gates. For, so we're going to hearken back to Genesis 1, in six days the Lord made the earth and the heaven, the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy or different or distinct. It is for a specific thing. Right? So how much work are we supposed to do on the Sabbath day? No, 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 let me rephrase that. How much work were they supposed to do on the Sabbath day? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Don't let me screw up the pronouns. <laughs> you screw up the pronouns, you mess up revelation. Right? Yes, that was going to go sideways super fast. Thank you very much. All right, Exodus 31, 15. Exodus thirty-one fifteen. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be. What did it say? Put to death. So, so we've established, we literally wrote it in stone that this is significant, and now we are coming back with the. This is what happens if you break this one. This is. This is a big deal, right? Exodus 34, 21. Six days you shall work, but on the seventh day you shall rest 
And then we get these explanatory notes in the scripture. In plowing time and in harvest you shall rest. Let me translate. I don't care how much important stuff you think is going on. You still must rest. If it's a busy time, this is a rest. If it's not a busy time, this is a rest. There's the, the Bible, like it, you just have to go with what it says, right? And then Deuteronomy 23. I know we're flipping a lot faster than we typically do. Deuteronomy 23, 24, and 25. So this is the end of Deuteronomy. This is Moses kind of doing the, the last bit of direction before he gives his sermons and is done. Uh, and this, this is, <laughs> I love, I feel sorry for the English Bible translators sometimes because in the ESV, the header above verse 15 says miscellaneous laws, right? We don't know how these fit together, so we're literally going to categorize this as miscellaneous, right? So it's just this bullet point. It's almost like a, it's like Proverbs of legal system here. There's just stuff just crammed together. So if you, oh, thank you very much. I didn't actually expect it to come back around, so that's fantastic. It did. Um, so if you go into your neighbor's vineyard, you may eat your fill of grapes. And some of you are like, uh-uh, that's my vineyard. What are you talking about? As many as you wish, but you shall not put any in your bag. It's like, oh, okay, I see where he's going with this, right? If, if, like, we're, we're trying not to starve here. If you go into your neighbor's standing grain, you may pluck the ears with your hand, but you not, shall not put a sickle to your neighbor's standing grain. Why would you not put a sickle to your neighbor's standing grain, Zeke? Because it's your neighbor's, right? It's not yours. That's his or hers. It's not yours, right? But a little bit for like my belly is hungry. That's all right. But not more than your belly can hold. See where we're going here? Some of you are like, oh, I, oh, okay. All right. Okay. So what? what one more text. Yes, that's good summary. One more text. First Samuel 1. Is it 1? 21. Thank you. I was like, that's not First Samuel 1. It's the wrong part of Samuel. Thank you, Darla. Darla, you win another prize next week for finding an error on the handout. So, I did like chicken version two. I don't know. I, I don't know what else the chickens do here. So, what's this header? David and the holy bread. Then David came to Nob to Ahimelech the, the priest, and Ahimelech uh, came to meet David, trembling, and said to him, "Why are you alone, and no one with you?" And David said to Ahimelech the priest, "The king has charged me with a matter, and said to me, Let no one know anything of the matter which, about which I send you, and with which I have charged you. I have made an appointment with the young men for such and such a place. Now then, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread. That's interesting." That's an interesting number. Or whatever is here. And the priest answered David, I have no common bread on hand, but there is holy bread. So what bread is this? It's the bread of the presence, right? If the young men have kept themselves from women. And you're like, wait, where did, like, where did that come from? Okay. When you have bands of men going out, doing military actions, uh, 
righteousness and chastity are not super common themes. We'll just land there, okay? Uh, verse 5, And David answered the priests, Truly, women have been kept from us all, as always when I go on an expedition. The vessels of the young men are holy, even when it is an ordinary journey. Did you hear that, Shelby? So he's saying, we are good, so we can partake of this. So your perspective a minute ago was a really good one. It was not one I had thought of. It was the idea that what goes into the priest should be holy. What the scripture typically focuses on is that the holiness of the priest like, before you participate in this, the vessel itself has to be at a... It, now you're getting there. there. Do you see the expectation that we are setting? And then Jesus shows up. It's just beautiful. All right. Uh, how much more today will their vessels be holy? Verse 6, So the priest gave him the holy bread, for there was no bread but there but the bread of the presence, which is removed from before the Lord to be replaced by hot bread on the day it is taken away. I don't know what the hot bread's about, but there's hot bread. Um, so David gets the bread of the presence. All right. Pause. And we will click play next week and come back and look at Mark chapter 2, and we will finish Mark chapter 2. I'm excited about finishing another chapter of Mark. I, I told Anna Grace yesterday, I said, there's about a 20% chance we'll finish Mark chapter 2 today. And she said, well, what do you do every time you finish a chapter? I was like, I don't know. What do you think we ought to do? She said, I think you ought to have a party. I'm like, oh, I like this. You know, it's 16, 16 parties. You know, this is pretty good. I like this idea. So there's that, right? Fantastic. All right, so your weekly updates on your table. Uh, lean in, engage, pray uh, over those uh, prayer requests. And uh, there's that. So thanks for coming to Sunday School today, guys. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.